Well, good morning. Uh, good to be with you again on our Holy Days podcast. I'm here with Sean, Pastor Sean Shepherd, and uh, we've got some good things to talk about today. So, Pastor, uh, where do we start and what's going on? Well, Apostle, you know, uh, our last one we did was Purim, but this uh, one before that, uh, Teruma. Mm. We're now in uh, Tetzava, and that basically means uh, command or you shall command. Mm. So that's the uh, title of this parashah. And, uh, but last week, you asked me about the bread of the presence. Yes, I did. So I started looking up some things on that, and I knew there was a reason why I didn't want to talk about uh-huh. it right away. But uh, the bread of presence, you know, has to do with the presence of God and the presence of uh, the Holy Spirit, or, and it uh, is direct correlation with Jesus, is what mm-hmm. they would say. It has to do with the 12 tribes. So in Hebrew, it is the bread of faces, mm-hmm. and it's pronounced uh, lehem haparim. And, uh, but there's also, you know, it, I forget how exactly the way it worded it, but, uh, it has to do with, uh, the memorial for, uh, the Lord. Now okay. it says the Lord. So that would be the uh, Yahweh. Well, my question for asking last week, I had to thought the bread of presence, Jesus says he is the bread of life. Yes. And that, and that's what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I felt this was what they were talking. But in this day, they, they couldn't refer to Jesus as a bread of life. Right. So the, the bread of presence is God's presence and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So uh, that really helps us to understand that a little bit better. It really helps us to tie in the Old Testament, uh, once again with the New Testament, mm-hmm. uh, the bread of presence. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. So uh, good job. Thank you for that. Uh, hope that helped everyone. I uh, uh, hope you didn't wait too long. And hope maybe you found that answer out yourself this week. So, uh, But, yeah, and continuing on, uh, you know, the, the showbread was only allowed for uh, Aaron and his sons. Mm-hmm. And then after uh, the events of the next parashah, which is where we get into the golden calf and things of that nature, this is when we start bringing in the Levites. So they took over after that uh, on many of those things. But uh, as the time went on, we see uh, God pulling away from the uh, every firstborn male being a priest to only those that actually serve him and are loyal. So we'll mm-hmm. see that in the next parashah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's jump right in. Uh, so this is the only parashah that doesn't contain Moses' name. Oh, so that's in, interesting. In this section, uh, there, Moses' name is not mentioned. Now, you'll remember in Exodus 32, 32, which we'll get to in our next parashah, um, he says, if you wipe out these people, blot out my name. Yeah. Uh, so if you bring up his name, the, the word for your book in Hebrew, the numbers equal 20. This would be the 20th lesson, the 20th parashah. So this is the only parashah that doesn't have his name in it. It's just an interesting coincidence or maybe there's a little more there but they they teach that and then the Jews talk about that that it's funny that the word your book means 20 okay and so just a little thing that they they teach and I thought I would throw that out there but uh Exodus 27:20 20, and you shall command the children of Israel that you they bring unto you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually so it's very interesting how the word is beaten. And then the oil beaten or crushed, the uh, Mount of Olives is a place of crushing. So 
a gasinomy. It's actually gat cinnamy. And gat means crushing. Mm -hmm. So it's funny, you know, you think about uh, the overwhelming crushing weight that Yeshua had to go through. Because the sins were being placed upon him. We're going to get more and more into that because we're going to see the priest doing it. We're going to see Aaron and his sons doing it. And it's the transference of the sins of the guilt. It's, it's the transference of the guilt of the sin. So we'll get into that as we go along. But, you know, great sweats are drops like blood. You know, I was thinking on this uh, pure oil from the press. Uh, I think you need to show the uh, video of you pressing. Uh, the olives there uh, while we were in Israel just a few weeks ago. Because we do have a video, folks. We didn't have a donkey to to run the the press, but Sean showed us how to do that. So, Pastor, I think we ought to get a little clip and put it in, the, in this uh, here so people can see that. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> but, uh... but that was interesting, that press mm-hmm. and uh, how the, the, the oil is pressed out. And um, and the weight of that wheel, how huge it was, yeah. and uh, uh, that just gives us a foretaste of, of thinking of the weight that Jesus, you know, and they yeah. talk about the pressing that you just mentioned in Gethsemane. So uh, it's just really interesting to see that. So for the light to burn continually, something had to be crushed. Mm-hmm. That's an important thing to remember. So um, for the nation of Israel to be born again, it had to be crushed in World War II. The people had to be crushed. Hmm. So think about World War II. If the Jews had never been persecuted, Hmm. would they be a nation today? Would there have been that sympathy Hmm. from anyone? I mean, the people were trying to fight it. Hmm. You had a couple people, uh, the the British guy, I can't remember the the name of uh, the court or whatever it was. Hitler, you're talking about? No, no, no. the ones that were speaking of wanting to make the, uh, the Jews a nation again. Oh, so you had yeah. the uh, the British uh, Accords or whatever it was called first, and then you had our president at the time who eventually went in and said, yes, they will be. Mm-hmm. So they recognized that. But without that crushing of the people, it might not have happened. Mm. So it's an interesting thing to think about. It's It was a very sad thing, but it's a very horrible thing. But... Uh, Sometimes there are a lot of things that crush us in our lives that we see as just absolute devastation, but then God will turn around and use it for good. So, you know, as Christians, we got to look at that mm-hmm. and uh, think about what the Jewish people had to go through just to have a nation again. Yeah. How blessed we are here in America and different places. Well, so. so many stories too after the Bible. I'm thinking of Joseph right now yeah. where his brothers sold him into slavery and, and all of the things that happened to Joseph. But when we read in Genesis chapter 50 and, and uh, toward the end and I think a, a couple other verses, chapters before that, Joseph tells his brother, what you meant to destroy, God used blessing mm-hmm. and so it was sometimes what we think this is going to crush me this is destroy and, and we think of Joseph particularly all that he went through you thought he would have been crushed beyond a comeback yeah. but uh, God has always has a plan and that is what the good news of the gospel teaches us that uh, no matter what we're going through 
He's sufficient for us. Uh, he, he's always there for us. And he says, I'll never forsake you or never leave you. I'll never abandon you. So we have a promise in that. And so no matter what the crushing is, <clears throat> there's a comeback. Amen. Amen. And, you know, sometimes people disappoint. And it's, it's important to remember if, if you're disappointed not to transfer that to God or blame God, it's very easy to do. So it's uh, people can lead you to disappointment, but God is not the one that does that. So we'll, we'll get more on that. Okay. Later. Okay. So the light is to burn continually. It, it is never, uh, I, I wrote it down here in the book. My translation is, is the light is never uh, easy mode. It yeah. comes from being crushed. Okay. So it's not an easy mode thing. Um, for the light to shine, you know, you had to have the crushing. Uh, whatever you're going through, Yeshua paid the price. So he was crushed beyond anything we can imagine because he took on everyone else's guilt, including our own. Uh, Haman tried to take out the Jewish people and failed. Yeah. Also just taught on that. And he just taught on that uh, Wednesday night as well. Yes. So, um, you know, Hitler, he tried and failed to crush the Jewish people. And then they're still trying today... And they will fail. Yeah, that's written in our Bible. It's it, it for the Jewish people to know. You know, whenever you see the abomination desolation, run for the hills. Mm -hmm. So if there's ever anyone who's watching, who's Jewish or anything like that, when you see them set up the abomination desolation, which would probably be a statue to Zeus with a pig sacrificed on it in the temple, mm -hmm. run for the hills, and then you'll know. When they cry out, you know, Abba, Father, or he uh, says, you know, come in the name of the yeah. Lord, that he'll return. He's going to wait for that moment. But you'll know when that's set up. So yeah. it's uh, just something to remember. You know, thinking about all of these that, that try to crush Israel. I remember the story found in the book of Numbers. I think it's chapter 24, 25. But uh, uh, Balak, King Balak called, called on Balaam to come and prophesy and curse Israel. And, of course, we know that Balaam sought the Lord, and Balaam said, you can't curse something God's blessed. Mm -hmm. And uh, these people are blessed. And three times, Balak tried to get uh, Balaam to bring a curse, and all three times, he blessed the people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that should be a lesson today. So many people around the world, the nations that fight against Israel, you cannot crush something, destroy something, curse something that God has blessed. And God has blessed the children of Israel. And, and we see that played out over and over and time again throughout the, these teachings. And it's important to remember with the Balaam story, you know, he was trying to curse them. But yeah. what he spoke came out blessing. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's God at work. Mm -hmm. And it's been God at work this whole time. So it, you, can't, you can't curse what God has blessed. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, this other part, sometimes we ask God, is what I'm going through necessary? Have we ever? <laughs> <laughs> I have so many times, and every time I ask, even though I don't really understand why, the answer usually almost always comes back to yes. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's funny because I'll ask, I'll ask for signs. Am I going the right way? Am I doing the right thing? And then Eventually, I always end up getting fed up and saying, is this necessary? Is this truly necessary? And every time I've asked that, it's come back, yes. Well, you know, Sean, I think 
Each time we go through something, it builds our faith. Mm-hmm. And, and that's God's purpose. He doesn't want us just to have faith. He wants us to have increasing faith. And he wants our faith to, to grow because the faith I needed as a young man uh, is, has increased as an older man to be able to stand strong and stand faithful in the things that God had called me to, mm-hmm. to do. And uh, so uh, even as I look at myself being an older man now, uh, I, I still end up going through trials of testing of my faith to build it to make it stronger. So it is necessary, and, and someone today could be, you're in a trial, but uh, just rest assured that God is trying to teach you something or show you something, but he's making you stronger for the future. Amen. Amen. And, and so that's that's where we're at with this. So we'll get back to our parashah now, but that was just something I felt like we needed to talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh, Exodus 27, uh, verse 20 through 28, verse 12, that's the sections we're going to go into right now. So in this first set of passages, Aaron and his descendants to kindle the lamps regularly in the tabernacle. God instructed Moses to make uh, sacral vestments for Aaron, a breastplate, which is Hoshan, that's in Hebrew, and the uh, ephod, uh, which was which would we call an apron today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a gold frontlet inscribed holy to the Lord, a uh, fringe tunic, a headdress, a sash, and linen breeches. So... That, that was everything that was to be made. And in Exodus twenty-eight thirteen through 30, God instructs Moses to place the Urim and the Thummim inside the breastplate of decision or judgment, depending on which translation you're reading. And the Urim means lights. So we keep talking about light. Mm-hmm. And then the Thummim is said to mean perfections. So the name of God was written on a parchment and placed over Aaron's heart uh, on or in the breastplate. Mm-hmm. And so if any uh, issue came up in particular with the tribe, rabbinic sources say that that jewel of light on the uh, ephod, you know, had the 12 jewels for all the tribes, would light up, and uh, each one of them had uh, letters inscribed on them. Mm-hmm. And the parchment had letters, of God, the name of God was inscribed on it. So it would actually sometimes spell out things. And other times, uh, am I, are we supposed to go to war? The jewels would light up with the tribes that we're supposed to go. These are all things that Jewish uh, historians have written down, including Josephus. Uh, so you've got the jewels lighting up. And uh, if they asked, if there, is there sin in a camp? This is very interesting. There's multiple recordings of events of like that happening. And that jewel will become murky or cloudy as the light was shining on it. So it's very, it's very interesting, but it's God's way of showing the high priest... This is what's going on. There was always signs and things that we know of. There's a lot of things that we don't talk about these days, mm-hmm. but have to do with that. But the, the, the scarlet threads turning white after a certain sacrifice, if it was accepted by God, uh, the, the, they didn't have to have as much oil to, light, to keep the light going, the flames going. They, uh, they always had more stuff left over. There was all kinds of signs of blessings from God while it, it, God was approving of them. But when Jesus uh, was coming in, all of those signs stopped. So uh, all these things that used to happen just suddenly stopped happening because the true sacrifice had finally arrived. Well, Jesus says, I came to fulfill 
So that's the fulfillment of the law, fulfillment of the sacrifice, fulfillment of everything. And uh, that is when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished. Mm -hmm. It all had been fulfilled. So he was the ultimate one that we look to and we uh, want you to to understand that it's a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. so d- decisions were made by that for a long time. So you're talking, uh, I think it was 600 and something years that these tabernacles were used or uh, temples or this kind of thing was used until Jesus' time. But the high priest would stand facing the ark. Say uh, you had a, a question. Mm-hmm. You come before uh, the high priest. I need an answer. Uh, I need to, I'm seeking God. Mm-hmm. And then the high priest would face the ark. So mm-hmm. let's say my phone on the table here. Let me slide it in the camera's view here. Let's say this is the ark. You would have the high priest. And then behind, the high priest would be facing towards the ark. So he would see the veil. The ark would be behind it. you got your high priest here. And the person behind him would be uh, facing the priest back. This is the person asking the question. Mm-hmm. So a light would shine either on one of the jewels he had or something. He would be inquiring of God, if God would speak to him, and then he would give the person an answer. This is recorded throughout history and uh, many of your Jewish texts and things mm-hmm. we don't usually see. Yeah. But that's one of the things that people would do when they were inquiring of the Lord mm-hmm. when they went to the temple. So it's very interesting. We have a word from all the prophets in our books, but we don't usually see this. Yeah. So uh, I just thought I would bring out that historical fact. You know, a lot of times uh, we read the Bible through year after year, and I'm doing that again this year. Um, but we, uh, we miss certain things because, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I get into these same repetitious things. I go fast, and I don't comprehend everything that I'm, I'm reading. And, and it, you know, there's, and I like reading different translations different years. Uh, uh, this year, I'm reading the New Living Translation, and there's things that'll jump out. And and this, what you're talking about uh, here in 20, uh, Exodus 28, uh, verse nine, uh, verse 15, and it says, "Then with great skill and care, care make a chest beat. What you just described just a few moments ago mm-hmm. to be worn for seeking a decision from God. So uh, you know we can turn over here. Uh, and read that same verse, you shall make a breastplate of judgment artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod, and you shall make it gold. And it tells us how to uh, how to make it there in mm-hmm. uh, verse uh, uh, 15, but it doesn't tell us that it's for seeking mm-hmm. the decision. So uh, I challenge you sometimes... Uh, I've always said this, uh, if you've heard me say it once, they've heard me say it a thousand times, people read what they already believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, so sometimes if I have a belief when I'm reading scriptures, I I think I already believe this, so I just go on. But sometimes we have to change translations. Sometimes we need to slow down and say, what's God speaking to me? So I just was interested. I wanted to point that out. I didn't want to back us up, but I wanted to bring that out on that decision. I got you. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I, I typically try to stay away from arguments. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are King James only. Oh, yeah. And there's a whole crowd of that. And uh, I would stand there and argue. I, I remember I, not too long ago, about a year ago, I was, we were arguing <clears throat> back and forth. And nothing, nobody's yelling or shouting. Or <clears throat> we're just making points. And he got to a point where he couldn't argue anymore. 
And he only thing he could do at that point, he started raising his voice. I said, okay, I'm done because, you know, if all you can do is raise your voice. And he's like, King James only. He just started shouting that back and forth. I was like, okay, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah. So I've never been tied down to traditions. It's uh, If it's written in the Word of God, yes. If it's man's traditions of things, I don't really care. I never really have. I never had that. I don't know why, but I've never had that. So for me... I was like, I'm going to go look in this translation, this translation, this translation. I'm going to pray about it, mm-hmm. see what the Holy Spirit says, and go from there. So, like he's saying, reading these multiple translations and things, yes, we have our favorite. Everybody has their favorite. Their favorite, right. But, like, I grew up New King James. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. But now I read the New Living. I read NET. Uh, there's uh, several different translations I read. Sometimes I even read... Uh, I can't think of it, but the one that adds the words. Uh, oh, are you talking about the Passion or the Amplified? Amplified, yeah. Amplified. I don't. I haven't really gotten into the Passion, but yeah. I've read uh, a little bit in the Amplified just to see what they were try, trying to say. Because your scribes, yeah. when they wrote the words, uh, sometimes they would have bigger capital letters and bigger things that were on the words that changed the meaning. And sometimes in translations, we don't get that effect yeah. into English. So it's interesting to read it in Hebrew as well. And so there's a lot that goes into these things that we don't have time to get into, but it's always good to read more than what you're used to. Well, the most important Bible that you need to read is the one you can understand. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to argue which over. I preached for years out of the, the New King James, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then... Uh, I've switched over and started preaching out of the New Living Translation. I've preached out of the Passion. I've preached out of other Bibles. But even one time, I remember I was uh, uh, I was in my office, and my grandchildren uh, were here at church. As my daughter used to be church secretary, and uh, there was a children's Bible, and I was trying to show him something in the children's Bible, a little bitty little white children's Bible, and I started looking at it. Wow. And I preached a sermon out of the children's Bible one Sunday. So uh, it's not a matter as long as it's the Word of God. Amen. And and, uh, read what you can understand, what you feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't let no one tell you that you're reading the wrong Bible, as long as it's God's Word. Amen. Um, So getting back to our lesson, I know I strayed off quite a bit there. Uh, so at, after the veil was torn and the death of Yeshua, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, came on the apostles later, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit was pow- uh, poured out on all of them that were there. No more would a priest on earth stand before the ark, or uh, in Jesus' time, actually, the ark wasn't even there, but they would face towards the Holy Holies. And uh, th- there's no longer a mediator between us and God. It's us talking with God now. And it's, uh, you know, I want to bring this out. Uh, I was pretty sure I had it written in here, but I don't see it. Um, The veil represented Jesus' flesh. Okay. This is what the uh, Messianic Jews teach on this. Uh, So the veil represents his flesh. And once it was broken, the veil was torn. So once he died... That that was the ultimate sacrifice. So that so that was uh, broken there. So they to them, this means that was his chest. Now it's been broken and beaten. It's open, and now we can walk into the heart of God, and have access to that boldly before the throne room of grace. So that's a uh, messianic Jewish teaching, 
but they they teach that because it's that closeness to God that he desired from the beginning. So I want to take us back uh, a couple parashahs ago. I talked about uh, how uh, Aaron's sons, a couple of them, had disobeyed God, walked towards the temple, did some things they weren't supposed to do, and God struck them, and they died. Mm -hmm. Um, With sin, you know, God's a holy God. He has to judge. And these unclean things can't approach him. So if they approach him, power would go out, strike it dead, it's done. Mm -hmm. It has to be judged within his presence. So after he died and the the sacrifice is made, now we can enter into his presence safely without Mm -hmm. having to worry about that. So it's important to remember that they didn't have that privilege. If, you know, we're going to get into the part with the priests. Uh, we're coming right up on it, so let's... In chapter 29. Mm-hmm. We're heading right there. So uh, it was considered... The thumim, the perfection. Remember I talked about that on mm-hmm. the breastplate and everything. It was considered... Uh, they called it perfection because it was considered immutable. The immutable word of God. If that shined on that jewel, if it, uh, anything like that, the, the thumim, you couldn't argue with it. Once that was done, that was the ultimate judge. So if you want, if you walked up to the high priest and there was a decision, that's it. Mm-hmm. If that jewel shined, God showed that, that's it. It's done. It's over. The judgment has been made. Um, the light uh, within us, shining on us, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, he sent the Holy Spirit. So um, when we're looking for a purpose, when we're looking for what we're supposed to do, when the Holy Spirit speaks within us, that's supposed to be immutable. We, ma- we match that with the Word of God. That's what's supposed to be immutable now. It's not the Word of man. It's not the Word of people. You have to follow what you know God is telling you to do. Um, if He's telling you to do something that's against the Word of God, that's not, that's not God. Don't listen to that voice. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we each have to take that step of faith and believe. And what should be immutable is what the Holy Spirit says and speaks to us. Uh, unfortunately for a lot of people, they just, they, they shut it out. They don't listen, whatever's easiest, but that's not the way things are meant to be. The light that shines now is from yeah. the Holy Spirit. And yes. So, and we are to be the light of the world mm-hmm. and we are to let that light shine. So that's what we, we need to do. So even though this may sound harsh, there shouldn't be any excuse for us to not learn to hear his voice because that's what we're meant to be now. Mm. So there should be no excuse to not know what he's speaking to us. Uh, I know that's hard, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move right along before I get anybody mad at me. But, uh, now, the, for the robe, the Jewish sources say the fabric was turquoise in color and uh, picturing the throne room of uh, glory. So that, that was why it was that color. The ephod was worn over it and a belt... And the 72 bells were placed at the bottom made of gold. And 72 pomegranates were made of uh, sky blue, dark red, and crimson wool. So these bells were uh, placed around the bottom. And the purpose of the bells was uh, so that the other priest could hear them. That was one of the purposes. So you already know what I'm talking about. And then uh, if so, when he was in the Holy of Holies, if for some reason he was unclean or God struck him, then... He had the bells. If they didn't hear him moving around, they had the rope attached. Rope on his ankle to drag him out. Yes, because they couldn't enter. They'd be struck dead. Sure. Only the high priest could enter. So that was the purpose of the bells. Um, A mature pomegranate. 
Very interesting. Has 613 seats. I know they have a bunch, but I don't know, didn't know they had that many. That's what, the, uh, what they say, 613 seeds. And according to the Torah, the Jews must obey 613 laws. Wow. So, very interesting. It is, and I don't think I've ever heard that. So, that's uh, one of the things from your Messianic Jews that they teach, and, and your, many of your rabbis teach that too. Wow. But uh, it's just something we don't often hear about. Wow. Uh, so, I thought that was interesting. So, uh, the bells. Uh, now, some of these teachings uh, I found in different areas, but... Uh, the bells represent the spiritual gifts, is what they say, and the fruit of the Spirit. So those different bells all have a different meaning for each different one of those sections. So they, they add up to be around that number hmm. that I was speaking on. So there was the crown of the high priest, which was uh, two finger lengths, finger longs. Mm -hmm. So he had the crown on his head, and it was made of one uh, single piece of gold. Engraved on it were holy to Yahweh, or the name. The sacred name. I say Yahweh, so I don't have to, you know, say the way it's meant to be said. But, um, and you know, in Romans eight twenty seven, have the mind of Christ. Right. So uh, there's that. Now the breeches. Now the interesting part about the breeches, the pants. Mm. The pants were made. Uh, I thought it was breeches. <laughs> <laughs> it was made to cover all the skin. Mm -hmm. Now, um, so the no nakedness was shown. Verse forty three, lest they bear guilt and die. Mm. So, to be covered in righteousness before God. So, not even the feet could be shown. Mm. So, very interesting. Um, the belt of the ephod, uh, made from dark red and crimson wool that were twisted linen. And then uh, Ephesians 6.14, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, we see all that going there. Uh, most of the time when we talk about the armor of God, we talk about Roman outfit. Yes. But to me, it's always been the high priest gear. Mm -hmm. So what the high priest wore is the symbol of what, and Messianic Jews teach that. Yeah. For us, you know, being Gentiles, it was always, hey, this is, uh, you know, the lookout for the Roman section. Mm -hmm. But from a, a Messianic Jew perspective, it's the high priest gear. Well, you know, a lot of times you'll hear me say, we're going to do a coin check. And I ask guys that I've given coins to to pull out. And we have this coin that uh, is putting on the whole armor of God. And, and, of course, there it is. It's displayed as a Roman soldier. Mm -hmm. uh, and you put on the whole breastplate. Uh, the, we call these prayer coins. And we, 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 men, we covenant, we carry them, we use them. Uh, every time we touch it or feel it, we're reminded to pray. So it, it says put on the whole armor. So we see that whole entire armor. That's why we look at the Roman soldier mm -hmm. of that. So yeah. very interesting. And I'm not knocking it. Yeah, I'm just saying uh, uh, that's what the, the Jews normally do. Yeah. So it's very interesting. It's a different approach from mm -hmm. what we're used to. Uh, but yes, it's uh, you gave me one of those coins too. Mm -hmm. No, I don't have it on me. Oh, coin check. He failed the coin <laughs> check today. But uh, I set it to the side because I didn't want to get it dirty. Yeah. And I look at it every now and then, but uh, I don't always carry it on me. Mm -hmm. It's true. But uh, continuing on before I get myself in trouble here. Tw chapter 29 so we're at 29. Yes. So verses 1 through 37. Consecrate Aaron's sons as priests, mm -hmm. Nadab and Abihu, or Abihu, or however you say it. Uh, consecrate means to set apart. So just like the, the word for holiness, uh, Kadosh, is to be separated, separated, uh, set apart, and that all means that. So renewed covenant or new covenant priests are not uh, under the law, but under Christ after the order of Melchizedek. 
So which predates the law. Mm -hmm. That's why Jesus was after Melchizedek's priesthood. That's how we have access to not having to follow those things of the law because it predates the law. And that's where he came uh, under that order. But Yeshua didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So all the law he, uh, is meant to be written on our hearts to not allow unclean practices and sins in our lives, but to be separated from them and these to be holy before God. So many times we got this extreme grace teaching where God will forgive you, you can do anything and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Jesus overturned tables. He got yeah. mad. There were things that were wrong that he did not approve of. He was very controversial. He was kicked out of places. He, my point is, you know, he didn't sin, but he didn't like these things that allowed sin. Right. So there's a thing about taking a stand and not allowing sin in your life and uh, being, standing against it. So there's a lot of Christians that just want to get along now. Mm. Why do you have to stir things up or... You know, and they get scared. But, you know, Jesus was never like that. He, he didn't get scared. He's, he said what needed to be said. And he did what needed to be done. And he didn't approve of those things. So um, you've turned my uh, father's house into a den of thieves. And they were exchanging money for different values and wrong things. And there's a lot of things that were going on. And we see that. He does not like that. Um, you know, one of those interesting things... We know that Jesus was a man of compassion, a man of deep love for mm -hmm. people. And, uh, uh, you know, today, every time we stand against something, we're hit with, where's the love? Mm -hmm. Where's the love? Where's the love in that? Well, we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus was very compassionate, very loving. Uh, we are compassionate. We're loving. We, we, but when we're confronted with sin... And we need to call sin, sin. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to stand just like Jesus stood and call it without fear. And when we get persecuted, where's the love? Read your Bible. Yeah. Uh, we're we're uh, being imitators of Christ is what we're called to be. And uh, we're doing what Christ would do. So when there is a time to take a stand, we have to take a stand regardless yeah. of who it may offend uh, whose teaching it comes against. If it's this word and uh, it's, it comes against God's law, then we have to take it. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And these priests are set up. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's... Everything is set up a certain way for a certain reason. And that's mm -hmm. what I want people to see. Because whenever we make all these excuses <clears throat> about things, that if you watch and look how these things are set up and what they mean and what they stood for, because if you read the Old Testament, it shows you everything that God stands for. There's not really lines for excuses in these things. Right. So I surround myself with people, uh, my closer in the inner circles and uh, the people, uh, the pastors, apostles, and people that I hang out with. Uh, if I, I surround myself with people who will tell me the truth, if they're not going to tell me the truth, I, I don't have a need for you. Yeah. And that's just... I'm it, just putting it know, bluntly. And that's, that's bold, that's blunt, but it's got to be true. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, if, you know, if you're not going to tell me truth, then you're probably going to try to persuade me mm -hmm. to believe something else. And uh, I would rather be told the truth. So I don't want someone that just tells me something because it's convenient. And I don't, I don't want someone around me to just tell me something because it's, they're being nice. Um, tell me the truth. Because if you're not telling me the truth, then you're just, you're just playing games. Mm -hmm. And then people around you aren't going to know 
when they can actually trust you. Because yeah. if it's, let's just get it down to the true meaning of it. People don't uh, tell people the truth because they don't like the confrontation or it may expose something in themselves. If, you don't, if you're not willing to tell someone the truth and you don't truly love them, I'm just going to tell it like it is. Yeah. So there it is. Yeah. So moving on, <laughs> uh, God, has, uh, Aaron, God has Aaron offer a bull for a sin offering and then a ram uh, of consecration and ordination. Mm-hmm. The hands of the, uh, all three priests, like I was talking about earlier, Aaron and his sons were placed on the heads of each of the animals mm-hmm. to transfer the guilt and prior to the sacrifice. Now they call it the transference uh, of guilt to the animals. They're, the Jews, they still call it that. Um, Christ was our sin offering, of course, in consecration and ordination. Hmm. So it's, uh, it's not just uh, guilt, but uh, consecration. So our separation to be close to Him and ordination. Hmm. So it's interesting. The anointing and all of these things, uh, the transference of a... Uh, there were sacrifices made for those things. And I probably just rubbed my mic there. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, the bull represents the false gods of this world. The ram represents the Egyptian gods. Um, you have that representation as we went over in our earlier parashahs mm-hmm. and the sacrificing them. So um, kings and priests under God in Revelations 1.6, that was God's intention all along. All believers are to be priests unto God. Every family should have at least one person who serves in some way in the ministry. I firmly believe that. God wanted a kingdom of priests and set apart each firstborn for this purpose. So in each and every family, someone should be serving in some kind of capacity. I'm a firm believer of that. It doesn't mean you have to have an official ministry position, but you should be serving in some kind of way. Hmm. Uh, I, I firmly believe that because that was God's intention all along. Was it, Somebody in the family, each family was meant to be a servant for God. Um, All of the fat of the animal belongs to God. Uh, The fat of the animal could be used to make many things, but instead it was consumed by fire and not eaten. It was very important, and it was not healthy for them to eat. Now, the fat could have been used to make explosives, which they didn't do, Uh, and it could have been used to uh, make things that light on fire and things of that nature, Uh, but uh, fat has many purposes. It did. did. Uh, Verses 29 uh, uh, and 38 through 46, God promises to speak to Moses and the Israelites and abide among them and be their God. Mm -hmm. That is the purpose. Uh, In chapter 30, 1 through 10, this is where we're at now. God tells Moses to make an altar of incense of uh, acacia wood, or however you say it, and overlaid with gold. It stood directly before the veil. So if the veil was my phone here, uh, the altar of incense would have been standing before it, and it had to be passed to go beyond the veil. So you had the curtain, the veil, and then to go past it back to where the Holy of Holies and the Ark was, you had to pass the altar of incense. So that was the point of that. Um, they had to get that incense on them uh, before they went back in there. So Hebrews 10, 20, uh, through the veil, his flesh, Christ's body was the veil. Of course, we already spoke about that. When he died, uh, he was the sacrifice, and the veil was torn so that he may, uh, so that we may come boldly before the throne room of grace. Yes. Uh, so that's where that was, so Hebrews 10, 20. No longer do we have to visit, uh, you know, await once a year, for the presence of God, because that's what the holy uh, the high priest had to do many times. Sometimes the high priest, uh, the 
the presence of God would come down like when Solomon was anointing. Mm -hmm. You remember it talks about the presence of God come down, people not even being able to stand. Right. There was moments like that. Um, but we come before God as we are. And yes. We can come to Him daily now. Yet many Christians have become more like the world and don't even pray or listen to God. It's uh, what we was covering in earlier parashahs. It's this... Uh, only time I pray is after something happens. Reactive prayer, not predictive prayer. Mm. In predictive prayer, Apostle, you pray every day. Oh, yes. And uh, he has a set time. I know we've talked about this. He gets up, he reads, he spends time with God. It's a, a, a time to be set apart. You know, it's, uh, it's obeying the Word of God. We're all meant to do that. Um, and, you know, Sean, that's uh, important. Everyone has that meeting place with God that they can meet. They can study the Word, read the Word, pray. Uh, and But that shouldn't be the only time of day. Uh, you know, I, I remember reading an article uh, in one of Smith Wigglesworth's books. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth uh, in a, made a statement that he never prayed longer than 15 minutes at a time. And I thought... For a man of such great power, never prayed longer than 15 minutes at a time. But then it went on to say, the next verse, you know, Paul Harvey would, too, would say, the rest of the story, uh, Smith words, I never go 15 minutes without praying. <laughs> so um, now that puts a different light on the story. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think the more we pray, the closer in uh, fellowship we come with God, and uh, the better and greater we hear his word. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I hear people say all the time, I don't hear from God. Well, how much time are you spending with God? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the more you spend with God, the more you're going to hear, the more he's going to reveal to you. Because the closer you become with a friend, the more you, intimate you'll share. Mm -hmm. And so the more uh, closer you come with God, the more intimate you come with him and share. So uh, this is... Uh, now we don't have to go to the priest to have them go to God. We can go to God. Mm -hmm. So we need that time of prayer, a time of devotion with him each and every day. So when you're looking at it, it's uh, <clears throat> we got all these excuses. we got all these things to not be in this presence. we got all these things we're worried about. Well, what if his Holy Spirit comes on me? Or you dance around and squawk like a chicken. You know, <laughs> the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. I've never done anything like that in my life. Uh, the Holy Spirit came on me, I started speaking, and the words came out. And I thought, well, that's different. But I was always in control, and I always yes. have been. Now, But I will say this. Uh, I'm going to take these things pretty far, because I'm going to be more strict. Because it, it's needed in this time we're coming to the close of our, of our age. It's, if we're coming to the close of the dispensation of grace. It's, it's upon us. I believe it's within the next 10 years. We're coming to the end of this age when Jesus will return. So that brings upon judgment. That's what we're going to walk into. And it's going to be the millennial reign of Christ. So it's time to get real. Yeah, it is. So let's be real about it. How real should the Holy Spirit be to us? And I'm going to answer that question. He should be more real to you than any other person. I'm just going to say it flat out like that. If he's not that real to you, then you've not quite got where you need to be. And that's a lesson for me, too. Yeah. But that's the, that's the measure. That's, that's the line. That's the goal where we need to get. Who needs to be the most real person to us? Well, to Smith Wigglesworth, never went 15 minutes without prayer. Yeah. The most real person to him, obviously, was the Holy Spirit. 
So he had that close relationship. And every time we want to talk about an anointing, there's all kinds of people who want the anointing. They want to see healings. They want to see the gifts used. They want to see all these things happen. I would, I would dare to say, if you make the sacrifice to know him, you'll have those things. But it, it is a sacrifice. It is absolutely spending time with him, getting to know him, just like you would a person. Mm-hmm. If you're going on a date, you get to know, you get to know, you get to know. Things progress. They get deeper and deeper the more and more time mm-hmm. you spend with that person before you get married, and then you get married, and then all these other things. The relationship's never supposed to stop. Sadly, after people get married, a lot of them do. Yeah. But yeah. it's supposed to progress mm-hmm always getting deeper and deeper and more and more intimate and more and more close and discovering more and more things about one another. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit, with getting to know God. That's the measure. So if we're not up to par to that and you say, hey, I don't have that kind of relationship, pray, seek Him, put Him first, make the sacrifice. Amen. Amen. Uh, Great word today. Uh, Great teaching. We hope that uh, it uh, enriched your life. We hope that you've learned something today. from us and that from through the scripture, uh, interesting days, very interesting days. We're moving into some real uh, interesting times because mm-hmm. we're drawing so much closer uh, to Passover mm-hmm. and to those things. And uh, uh, it's going to get real interesting here. Uh, and, very, very uh, soon. And uh, just, uh, and I say that not just uh, <clears throat> because of the teaching, but as you mentioned, we're in the last days and I think we're going to begin to see more and more signs of the coming of the Lord. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're not date setters. We don't know the day, the hour, no one does. But we know we're close, and uh, we have our beliefs. Uh, and, uh, I, I, you know, once again, I'm an older man, and I, I believe he's coming in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, the point is, I have to be ready. You have to be ready to receive mm-hmm. uh, him when he comes. So, Make a, uh, it your goal to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Confess your sins. Invite him into your heart. Uh, follow the, the scripture. Study the word and let him lead you. Amen. Amen. See, I, now I could preach another hour on this, but we got to end today. But we'll see you next week. And it's uh, Katessa, I believe, is the, the one for next week. And we'll get into the golden calf and uh, other things like that. So thank you for being with us. And... Uh, God bless you and great is our God. Gadoel Ohio.